perhaps the most memorable encounter I've had with anyone. Welcome to the Own Your Commerce podcast, where leading experts, brands, and innovators reveal strategies for e-commerce growth. I'm your host, Jay Myers, and this show is brought to you by Bold Commerce. Sean, it's so great to have you on our podcast. Thank you for taking the time to be here. I know you've got a a rich background in in payments. I'm really excited to dive into everything payments with you today. Can you give us a quick intro to you and and some high, highlight some of your background in the payments area? Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Jay. Really excited to be here. Obviously, the partnership with Bold and and sort of talk more generally about payments for you and your your listeners. About myself, I've been in the payment space for over ten years. Most relevant currently, I'm the head of commercial for Link Money. We are a account-to-account or open banking payments scale-up in the US, so helping merchants have pay-by-bank or account-to-account in the US. Prior to this, I spent four and a half years at Adyen in the US working on big enterprise and Adyen for platforms deals. So, you know, worked with a number of different big names that, that most people would probably know, but yeah, just a lot of payment experience and excited to chat. So give me a little bit of background on Link Money, which is where you're currently at. Describe Link Money, what it what it is to the audience. Yeah, so Link Money is a open banking payment method. So it's a way for shoppers to pay directly with their bank account in an e-commerce environment. For merchants, it's a effectively a, a button on checkout that says something like pay by bank or add bank account. And then when the shoppers go through that flow, they select the bank account they want the funds to come out of. So you can kind of think of it like the digital equivalent of cash instead of paying with a card. It's a way to you know just take funds directly from the bank account. It differs from ACH in that ACH traditionally has a two to three day lag, meaning it's not really suitable for e-commerce, whereas ours is an instant decision, meaning that merchants know right away. It's basically the equivalent of a capture on a credit card. Merchants know right away if that's a good transaction or not. Interesting. Okay, so it's not ACH, it's bank to business. It's account to account or pay by bank. Account to account. It's a bank-based payment method. And and we say that like it does in the background ride ACH rails right now. But over time, as networks in the US, the real-time networks such as RTP and FedNow, as they continue to evolve, like we can connect into them as well. So it's a effectively it's a bank-based payment method. And from a consumer perspective, they just see the funds coming. They select their bank account and then they see the funds coming directly out of the account that they've selected. Okay, so just for uh, for someone listening to get a visual of this, they're potentially shopping online, they go through checkout, and they can choose to pay with their bank. And they see their bank account or do they see credit cards or just their uh, checkings and savings accounts or do they just not have it at pre-connected or what does that look like? Yeah, yeah. So good no, really good question. Ultimately, like on the merchant checkout, you know, they might the merchant might be displaying credit card, PayPal, and then pay by bank, for example. So it's a it's a button, like a payment method. When the shopper clicks that, they are then redirected to their bank to log in. So if it's on if it's on your mobile device, it will like open your banking app with the big banks these days. It's it's all biometrics. So you would just face ID straight in. However you would normally open your banking app, you would just go on that. And then you would select the account that you want the funds to come out of. Then you know you go back to the end of the checkout page, confirm your purchase. So basically going through that 
linking flow with your bank account is, is the same as typing in your credit card details or, or whatever. That's actually also a one-time flow for merchant or for the shoppers because we create a token from that, same as you would get with a credit card if you're a subscription or recurring merchant. You get a token of that card. With us, you get a token of that bank account. So for subsequent transactions, the shopper doesn't actually need to go through that flow again. They just need to link their bank account one time, same as you need to like add your credit card one time, for example. So you could do subscriptions through pay by bank? Yep, 100%. Interesting. And that's like a big target for us for, for a number of reasons. You know, one, obviously, pay by bank overall is cheaper, like in, in any scenario. So that's a, a big reason. But with subscriptions. Yeah, what is, what is, what is the rate for merchants? It varies. How does that work? Generally sp- speaking, merchants are, are going to save anywhere from 100 to 200 basis points, depending on, you know, what they're currently Compared to. Cards. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like the first thing that comes to my mind is we're, we're big in the subscription space at Bold and, you know, credit card dunning like every month around, I think it's on average around 9% of credit cards don't go through for various reasons. Like it could be that some fraud detection or there's no funds on the card or expiry dates or different, whatever. So I imagine payment approvals must be a lot higher with this. You're 100% right. Like that was, that's the, the secondary benefit for subscription and recurring companies is if you have a bank account on file, the churn of that account is dramatically lower. There's actually st- studies out there in, in the nonprofit space. So donating to your favorite charity or, or whatever. If you can get a bank account on file, those nonprofits get between four and six months extra donations versus Crazy. a card. Yeah, specifically for what you said, it doesn't even have to be fraud, like lost, stolen, expired credit cards and anything like that. It, you know, we've all had a good example, right? I, I'm Australian. I, I've been in the US for over 10 years. I've had like 20, 30 different credit and debit cards, right? For various reasons. I've had the same bank account for 11 years. Like that has not changed once. Yeah. So yeah. if you can get, as a merchant, if you can get that on file, you've got a much stickier customer. Can you? incentivize I know there's laws around like in the US you can't they're, they're like bait and switch laws like if you post a price for something it's $99 you can't then when a customer gets to the cash register say oh oh you're paying my credit card it's an extra 5% the price you post is the price you post and then as a as a merchant you absorb whatever costs are associated to how the customer pays could you like what's going through my mind is could you discount I would want to incentivize my customers to connect their bank. And so if my subscription is $99 a month or save an extra 5%, because I know like once if the data shows that that customer, like you just said, with those charities sticks on on average an extra four to five months. So they're worth 30% more LTV than a customer with a bank. Like I would want to give them a five or 10% discount for connecting their bank can you do that legally? Like give discounts by different payment methods? Yeah, as far as I'm aware, you can. Like discounts, you, you can. You've never you, heard of any issues with, or, or is that happening right already? Yeah, like merchants are already like offer, and it doesn't have to be a straight discount. What, what you were describing at the start with cards is surcharging. And that's a little bit different. Like there's certain industries where by MCC code in, in the card space, like Visa and MasterCard say, hey, you're, if you're in this industry, you're allowed to surcharge. Generally speaking, 
They have to be able to accept an alternative payment method though. So that could be, you know, cash or something like pay by bank. So there has to be a way for the consumer to actually pay the original $100 and not pay $105 with a surcharge or, or something like that. So, you know, this is one, an option that merchants can put in and say, Hey, pay by bank and pay $100, pay with credit card, pay $105 or, or whatever the case. So, but again, that's dependent on MCC codes. Not every merchant is allowed to surcharge um, to, to your point. Specific to discounts. Yes, that, that's a huge way that merchants can. And again, especially in subscription and recurring. Because you've got a longer LTV of that customer. It's not just a $100 jacket or something like that and save 1%. Like, are you, as a shopper, are you really going to do that to save a dollar? Maybe, but probably not. Where subscription recurring gets really interesting is, like you said, it could be a straight discount. It could be free delivery on your next order. It could be like pay for three months in a row, get your fourth month free, like pay with your bank account. We're even seeing merchants do things like sweepstakes, like, add your bank account and pay with your bank account and go into the draw to win. So there's lots yeah. of different ways that merchants can in, in, incent this. We help and we like give ideas and, and playbooks and that side of things to, to the merchants or, or to our partners. But ultimately, the merchants know their customer best and, and kind of know what those customers are probably going to want to either switch or do this for the first time. Can you increase the amount charged a month? So if a customer's you said there's they can a brand can get a token to charge against like you know twenty nine ninety nine a month and they charge that bank each month and now that merchant wants to upsell that customer their subscription to a more expensive one is it a set amount that isn't agreed in that token or can that vary? No, the token can vary. So it it basically what we've tried to do is create this payment method that acts as much like a card as possible. So merchants are still very used to how, you know, how it acts on the back end. So that token, again, it, it just represents that shopper and their bank account. So if one month you want to charge 29, if the next month you want to charge 50, if the third month you only want to charge 10, like it, it's fine. It's just that you just send us the amount in the payment request and, and we process it and decide if, if it goes through or not. Exactly the same as it would for a credit card. You would send that token, the issuer would say yes or no. And you know, that's that. And it never expires like a credit card. I don't want to say never, but yeah, people can close their bank. But yeah, there's not a hard expiry set on it yet. As long as that bank account is open, like 20 years later, like that subscription could run for 20 years if that bank account is still open, which Correct. There's, like no, I've had, there's no I've set had a, expiry. Like card, every card has a set expiry. A bank account does not have a set expiry. Right. Like I'm sold. Let's we could end the episode right here. <laughs> I mean, that's of course we're going to go on, but in the subscription industry, that is is huge. Okay, I want to go back to a little bit of not basics, but you mentioned open banking. You talked about that. It's probably people listening that have never heard that term before. What is open banking? How does it work? Yeah, it, it's a bit of a interesting term. It doesn't have a single definition, I, I guess, and really like. If you look at markets like Europe and, and Australia, open banking, in quotes, has, has been around for quite some time, going a bit into payments geeky stuff. PSD2 in Europe mandated that open banking had, you know, financial institutions had to provide open banking, basically, and, and a way to access these bank accounts. So ultimately, like what it is, is the ability for fintechs like ourselves or other banks or that side of things to access the data within the bank account of a, of a shopper. So when someone links their bank account, they agree 
to give us access to that account data. And then we can see their credits and debits, you know, for a certain period of time. So what that means is you can build products on top of that. The classic use case, and over 70% of the US population has used open banking in some form. The classic use case is PFM or, or personal financial management. So if you think of the apps like Mint or even doing your taxes these days where with Zero or whoever you like link your bank account and then it scrolls through it, like that is an, an example of open banking. What we do is open banking payments and, and we actually like move money with it. But ultimately open banking is just access to the bank account and seeing the, the transaction data. Consumers, the next question is usually around like, why would consumers do this or what happens if they want to like, don't want to have their account accessed or anything like that? You can, as a consumer, go in your banking app and then revoke access to it. So it's very consumer permissioned, very consumer driven in that you can see the list of everyone who's accessed your bank account and decide whether or not you want them to continue to access that. And each time with Wells Fargo, who's my bank, each time I link an account, I actually get an email as well saying, hey, you've linked your bank account to this merchant. Okay, so it just keeps getting better because so now you're, so I I use open banking for sure for a lot of fintechs, like budgeting tools and accounting software. I actually use Mint as well too. <laughs> but I don't use it a lot for payments yet. So if it's used for payments and I'm a, cons- as, as a consumer, I mean, I would see like if I'm buying from Nike and I see them as a in my bank I would see they have access to to bill or something and I can I can go in there and most banks have an option to revoke access. Correct. Yeah. So you can see that it depends on the setup. You can see the merchant or the fintech like so you would either see Nike or Link Financial or maybe like both Nike via Link Financial. It it kind of depends on how the bank displays things and that side. But yeah, ultimately, as a consumer, you can be like, oh, Netflix, like I no longer want Netflix to access my bank account. like, And that's a way to cancel a subscription. So it's good for the consumer, maybe not as good for the merchant on on that side of things. I, I bet you that's actually good for both because so for the consumer, yes, I, th- I think a central place to like a lot of subscription companies are are good. They're fine. They have, and there's, there's laws starting to come into place that the effort it takes to cancel a subscription has to be equal to the effort it takes to subscribe. And so if you have like a one click subscribe, you have to have a one click cancellation and you can't you know, yeah, have to force cool. people to phone and, or hide the cancel anyway. So like it's getting better, but there are still ones like try to cancel your New York Times subscription or your Wall Street, it's impossible. You actually have to phone. And I hate that. And so, but you're saying if I used my, if I paid through bank, I can just go in and turn it off. I see that as a huge benefit for the customer, but I also see that as a benefit for the brand because, so I've been a merchant a lot of my life and there's a lot of customers that they're too lazy to call to cancel or ask for a refund and they just go to their credit card and they just dispute a charge. And it happens a lot. It's unfortunate, but then that ends up coming as a chargeback. And if you get a certain percentage of chargebacks, depending which credit card processor you're using, you you actually get shut down. And it's a low threshold. Like it's like one less than one percent. So it's half a percent for Visa or MasterCard and like 75 basis points for the other. I I don't know what's what, but yeah, certainly it's below. Right. And I and I like I hear my friends sometimes they'll say like, yeah, I ordered this thing and 
And I, I tried calling the company and I, I just, uh, you know what, I'll just dispute it with my card. And I say like, well, no, 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 don't like do that. <laughs> that causes a lot of headaches because I've been on the other end because then they have to like dispute the charge back and file a bunch of paperwork and it's a big headache. But if someone just deactivates the merchant from being able to charge, I imagine it also doesn't have that same negative effect that a chargeback has. Correct. There's, there's no fees or anything like that. We would send a webhook to the merchant or to the partner, like in, in this case via Bold, but for Bold merchants or directly to the merchant. But yeah, so you would, the merchant would just receive a notification of some sort that that shopper has now unlinked their bank account. So at next time they come back, you can ask them to relink their bank account. You can ask them for a different payment method, what, whatever the case. But yeah, there's no chargeback fees associated with it or, or it's so, anything like it's that. It's so civil and peaceful. Because like <laughs> you know, it's not a black mark on your record where if you get 10, 10 customers that do that, you no longer can charge a subscription or you no longer can you but you know you if you have a hundred customers and one or two customers file a chargeback, you're over yeah. the threshold and you'll get a letter. This happened to me once 15 years ago, you get a letter from Visa saying you no longer can process Visa and then you have to fight it and explain why and show that you have a return policy. And anyways, it's a, it's a big headache. We got through it, but that wouldn't have happened with direct bank payments. Correct. And, and to your point, yeah, you could probably, as a merchant, design a process where, you know, if they do, if the shopper has their bank account link, you can just say, hey, want to cancel your subscription, go to your banking app and unlink the account. Like, and then it probably saves the merchant some time and resources as well. Like if you had that on your FAQ page or something like that. So. So what's the potential downside of, of it? Like, why isn't it fully adopted by every brand? It's very nascent in the US, like being completely honest. As I said, like it's been around in, in Europe and Australia probably for like six to seven years, maybe a little bit more or less, depending on, on who you talk to. There's no obviously like clean date for it. And Europe evolved in the same way. Initially, open banking was used for data, was used for financial management and, and that side of things. And, and then payments came, came into it. So, you know, there's companies in Europe like Vault and TrueLayer and Boodle and a number of others that do open banking payments. But really here in the US, there's very few companies and we're one of the first to, to be doing it. So really like the past couple of years in my role at Link has been a ton of merchant education, like just letting merchants know that, hey, this actually exists in the US now. So we're starting to see a shift. I'd say the last couple of years have, have definitely been a lot of education, but within the last sort of three or four months, things have certainly moved more from education to selection and, and implementation. So it's really just getting the word out and, and explaining, you know, that this is a possibility. And that's why we're so excited about partnerships like the one we have with Bold, purely because, you know, you have a ton of merchants that can benefit from this and, and you know, we're excited to keep getting the word out. Yeah. I can see a ton of benefit. I one does it come up? I guess one thing that I could think why maybe a, maybe a customer wouldn't choose it would be they would rather put the money on a credit card to pay it later. Is there any worker solutions for someone who wants to use bank payment but buy now pay later's or timed payments or things like that? Or is it a one shot? It's payment? a one shot thing at the moment. And yeah, so the the question that usually arises, and, and it, you know, this ties back to your previous question as well, is like. Consumer adoption in the US, like there is a lot of credit cards in the US. And, and the usual question, we get a variation of that question you just asked. The usual question we get is like, why would I pay with my bank account when I get rewards points on, on my credit card? So 
the breakdown of that is like 30% of cards in the US are debit card anyway. So they're coming straight from, from a bank account. So, you know, there's not, not much difference there. And then of the 70% of credit cards, like not all of them offer rewards. So, you know, you're talking a pretty specific subset of, of people who play the rewards game, get their points and all that side of things. So that's from the consumer side. Like, yeah, like people who value their rewards are constantly churning cards for the rewards, all that side of things. They're, they're probably not a target for pay by bank. But then I heard it expressed by a merchant really well at a conference last year. He ran payments for a quick service restaurant chain, a very big one in, in the US. Like You would know them. He said his issue with credit cards and credit card reward points was that people would go to his restaurants and buy things and accrue points, but then they spend those points at the airline that their card is at or, you know, general other things that they never, never spend those points at a quick service restaurant. So his whole thing was like, if I had a way that I, or a payment method that I could incentivize my own rewards points, then I'm going to do that. Because ultimately, like that's a way for, again, another way of incenting the customer is, is with rewards points. But yeah, ultimately, why would a consumer do this? You know, there's a number of reasons, like one, credit card interest at the current rates is insane, like approaching 30%, right? So if you're trying to budget, you know, there's a whole movement away from credit cards at, at the moment, like just spending exactly what you have. And then from a fraud perspective as well, it's actually better for the consumer because you, you don't have that card floating out and about on the internet or anything like that. It's much more secure, like it's bank grade login when you're logging in to, to add your bank account. So there's a number of different options. And funnily enough, we actually so far, we've seen an increase in ATV for our merchants. People paying with bank pay at a higher amount than with card. We think, you know, it's theorizing here. We think that's due to the fact that consumers may have be close to their limit um, on their cards or have maxed that limit or they don't want to max that limit, but they do have the funds in their bank account. So instead of paying off that card and then, you know, doing a two or three step process to pay that off, they can just pay directly out their bank account. Again, similar to like having cash in your wallet, you're just like, oh, here you go. Like in, instead of like paying off your card first. Well, on that note, is is there a limit? Like, I mean, I know there's probably people that have a credit card with a thousand dollar limit and they want to buy a $2,000 TV. Is there a limit to direct bank payments? So what we do, how we make it real time is we guarantee the payment checkout like for the merchant in real time so we are we are effectively taking the credit risk so if you send us a transaction we say yes we'll accept that transaction so we're acting kind of like a card issuer in that regard if we accept it we guarantee it what we do then where's that guarantee amount it's on a merchant by merchant basis so you know some merchants we have a $500 guarantee limit other merchants we've got a $20,000 guarantee limit so you know, it just depends. And then the merchants will only display to those tickets under $500 or tickets under $20,000 type thing. So, And what changes that limit? Is it what's in their account or how often they purchase or is it? There's no, that's on a merchant level, not on a shopper level. Oh, sorry, so sorry, each, that's a merchant level. I exactly, yeah. So so in your example, if, if someone only has a $1,000 credit card limit, they're trying to buy a $2,000 TV. And with that merchant, we've got a $5,000 guarantee cap. Then yeah, that that would be completely fine. Like that two thousand dollar transaction would go through, assuming they had the funds in their bank account. Gotcha. What does a merchant have to do to raise their limit? Is it just history or? 
Yeah, it's mainly history. Like we, so our model, that decision engine that decides whether we want to accept the transaction or not, it's on a merchant by merchant basis. So we need some time to learn, like, you know, statistically significant number of transactions, usually one or 2,000 transactions. And, and then we can, our model learns a bit about their customer base, how risky it is, like, are we seeing, you know, fraudulent attempts or all that type of thing. And, and then, you know, then it's just a discussion from there. Interesting. Do you have any data on, demographics that use it other than like you mentioned you're seeing some higher AOV I'm curious I know the younger generations a lot of them are not getting credit cards or they're you know like like you said there's a trend towards like cutting the card and just spending what you have and do you notice it skewing towards any specific demographic it does skew younger I, I would say and and that's just sort of by way of payment method adoption like if you look at payment methods over time like PayPal was adopted and then Apple Pay and Samsung Pay were adopted and then the buy now, pay laters were, were hugely adopted by the younger generation. So it skews younger. But as I said, like 70% of Americans have interacted with open banking in, in some way. It's not our study. There was a study recently that said like 60% of Gen Z, I think, are, are willing to pay with their bank account and, and you know, 25% would definitely pay if there was some form of reward attached to it or, or something like that. So, you know, there is surveys and, and that type of thing. Our specific data, we don't have demographic data just yet, like because we can't really, we don't really see much on the underlying shopper aside from their bank account. Yeah. Is it safe to say it is as secure as logging into your bank? Like when you place an order and you then go through your your bank login, if you have two-factor, you have two-factor. If you have biometric, you have biometric. But it's, is it exactly the safe? Like if I'm explaining this to someone and saying like, well, is it secure? Well, it's as secure as logging into your bank. Is that a safe statement? Because you, yes, because you do log into your bank. Like we will re- redirect you to your bank to log in. So whether that's the app, whether that's online, like whatever the case, like you are logging in with your bank. We don't see that username and password. We don't see any of that. We've just got it's, connections. In that account. happens on the bank's domain. Correct. And then yep. when they select their account, then it sends the token and then the funds are transferred after. But interesting. So then is it is there less fraud? Then is it more secure than credit card? Yes, 100%. Like definitely more secure, way less fraud. It's much, much less likely that, you know, someone's going to have your banking credentials and be able to log into your banking account. Like, extreme example, but obviously you can buy like a list of cards off the dark web, right? And and penny test those cards and, and those sort of things. You can't do that with, not that I'm aware of, with bank logins. And then taking it a step further, you know, if someone does have your bank login details, they don't need to penny test and, and they can't buy product and do chargebacks or anything like that. And if they did, you're going to notice it. So even if someone does have your bank details, they're probably going to drain that account as quick as possible and not go and buy it hundred dollar jacket or, or something like that or, or subscribe to a subscription or, or anything. So yeah, it's kind of like double layered protection, but we see dramatically reduced fraud. And and that's not to say there is no fraud. This is a new payment method. Obviously fraudsters are, as I'm sure you know, extremely clever. Like they they try and find loopholes and, and that side of things. That's what they do. But yeah, f- generally speaking, fraud is much, much lower than than with cards. Yeah. I mean just personally speaking, I think I've probably had my credit card compromised half a dozen times in my life in one way or another and I have to, you know, report it as stolen or the the card number somehow. But I've never had my, you know, 
knock on wood, never had my my bank account compromised. And then I like I, I have very secure login procedures on that, but the card number is I think a lot easier. There's a hundred different ways someone can get that. Browser plugins or can get hacked or different things, but this is this is your bank and everyone should have two factor authentication on, on login. And to me, I would th- I would think that would be a big if I'm trying to reduce fraud as a brand, you probably haven't seen someone go completely to pay by bank, right? Like it's still an option with credit card, but incentivizing people to use it more to lower the overall percentage of fraud, I, that probably would be a strategy if I'm thinking about that the right way. Yeah, 100%. We see adoption ranging from like a few percent up to 30, 40%, depending on the merchant, depending like how they can incent it, depending if the shoppers kind of already made their decision that they know they're going to be using that merchant for that product, like it's not a discretionary purchase. So there's a number of different things. And you know, there's a few small merchants we work with where they're sort of startups themselves and and they just add this in as the first and only payment method. And later on, they may decide to add cards or, or something like that, like a wallet funding scenario or, or something like that. But yeah, generally speaking, you know, you've, you've now hit on the, the three main benefits of cost savings, churn reduction, fraud reduction, and yeah, like the fraud reduction will, to your point, will depend on, on the adoption rate. But ultimately, the more over time you can move across, the, the more fraud it's going to reduce. And the merchant gets the money at close of that day from link money, not from the bank, but you, link money transfers the money to the merchant. They get the, mer- the money from us. Yeah, it's, it's not always same. It's, it's rarely same day. It's more so their standard settlement time. Standard is T plus two, but it can be a bit quicker. So it's basically the same as cards, right? Similar, Again, similar to a yeah, card. Exactly. Yeah. But they know in that instant that that decision, that that payment, when we approve it, they know that that's good funds. Same as the capture on a card, they can release you know, the product, the goods, whatever they need to do and not have to wait for two or three days like a traditional ACH to clear. And refunds work the same way. If you need to refund a customer, it just sends the money back then or sends it to link money and then exactly. link money sends it back or how does that work? Yeah, it just reverses the transaction. So instead of us doing a credit pull from, from that token account, you just say, hey, can you credit this? Here's the token, can you credit this account? So yeah, just the reverse flow there. Gotcha. Do you always uh, use pay by bank whenever you have the option when you shop online? I should say yes, but no, I, I don't, being completely honest, um, <laughs> depending on what it is. So you want to get some of the, the, the points, right? Is that why? Especially if it's, but it's, as I said, it's very nice and I think I would use it more if it was on more merchants. So, but yeah, like our, our bigger merchants, I definitely use it on. Well, and, and, and probably, so I'm, I mean, if you added up the total number of interest paid on credit cards for people who carry balances versus total number of like air miles redeemed, it's probably a hundred to one of interest paid. Like the, the, the money that credit cards are making on interest is that's why they have these, that's how, why they have these rewards, right? It's to, they want you to use the card and you miss a month or you pay a little bit late. So like in the long run, you're probably guaranteed. I mean, all you talk to like all these financial advisors, they'll say, don't forget the points, just pay. You'll always be ahead. Even if you miss just one or two payments a year, that wipes out any benefit from any points. That's like most. Now, there are some people that never miss a payment and okay, there's some exceptions, but it's probably safe to say for the average person, you're still, you're going to be ahead paying from your bank. And what I'm curious to see is if more 
as this becomes more adopted by brands, if there's other benefits, like me as a brand, if I'm saving 2% or up to 2%, 1% to 2%, that's huge. And I know that that customer is going to have a higher LTV, lower churn. If it's a subscription, I would incentivize them in other ways. Like if you pay by bank, earn double the loyalty points or get entered into a draw or get a, a subscribe and save discount. And stuff. So I, I think we're going to see, well, I should be asking you this, but do you think we're going to see the industry adopting alternative rewards rather? And then so those airline or air miles won't mean as much in the future? Yeah, I think so. And I sure hope so. I think obviously it's not going to be instant. These things take time. But yes, like there's already merchants out there thinking about it in that way. And going back to your previous points, there's multiple studies out there that credit cards are not worth it, like not worth the points or anything like that. And it's actually very skewed demographically in that the the people who can least afford to pay it are actually subsidizing the people who can most afford to pay it. Like the people who can get the credit card rewards points don't need them. They're the ones with the higher incomes. They're the ones with money in the bank, all that side of things. And then it's the lower income who are paying the interest on, on these that are actually yes. subsidizing. So it's very unique. Like there's a lot of inequality in, in credit card reward points as well. Yeah. But yeah, like there, there's many studies out there that prove that rewards points over time aren't really worth it. So if you just want to screw the system, pay with your bank. hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. Is this available in every country? I know open banking has country by country that we're in Canada. Yeah. I know mm-hmm. if you, I think it's all fully available here now. Canada was a little bit later to adopt it than some other countries, but is, what does that look like? Yeah, I think it's more in the developed nations like link money for example we are only in the u.s for now the u.s is the hardest market to build it in because it is so new so we've focused on on that as i said it's been available in europe and the uk for five or six years same as australia canada i'm you know not sure on the exact timings but to your point like open banking exists there as well you know there's other kind like brazil has something called pix which is like a real-time payment network that had crazy adoption if you look at those statistics. India has something like called UPI, similar story there. So there's a number of countries out there that have real-time or open banking type payment. So yeah. it's, it is all over the world, but there's a, you know, a number of countries that don't have it e- either, but it's certainly like transitioning towards that. A lot of it depends on how dispersed and, and complicated their banking system is. And the US is one of the most dispersed and complicated with like 9,000 different banks and credit unions and, and that side of things. So it's hard to get all the connections that you need to get decent coverage. Is there a centralized service for, like in Canada, we have like five major banks where it's it's very yeah. different than the US. To US yeah. There's probably thousands of banks. I, so like the Citizens Bank of North Dakota, where there's like three branches and it's privately owned, are they all connected to one service that allows open banking or? the banks have to be opt into this? A bit of both. Um, there are what's called data access networks out there where these data access networks have agreements with the banks, but those banks still need to expose their APIs to so these data access networks can connect. Or you can, as a fintech, like try and go to each bank individually and, and get that. But obviously, to your point, there's thousands of banks and institutions out there. So like you could do it over time or you can do a hybrid. You could work with data access networks and, and then connect directly into the, 
the biggest banks. Because while there are thousands of banks in the US, the top, I want to say six, maybe it's 10, um, banks have like 70% or 60 to 70% of all US checking accounts. So, you know, just with the top 10 banks, you can get pretty good coverage. Here at Link Money, we've, we cover 94% of, of checking accounts in, in the US. And that, that remaining 6% is basically what you just described, very small credit unions or, or those type of things in, in rural areas. Yeah. Your uncle that owns a bank in... <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you can, a private person can open a bank in the United States, right? Like you can, if you have enough reserve, I think you can... Open a bank. Yeah, we got slightly off topic. I don't I know, think it's you can on open tangent. a bank. There's new, there's new laws. Like at my previous role, Adyen was one of the first to get a new banking license in, in a long time. But you can buy a bank. So if there's already a banking oh, okay. license that's been issued and you have there's, a spare few million dollars or whatever that bank is for sale for, then yes, you you could buy that bank. But to get a brand new charter is is quite difficult. Okay, and anyone listening should not take this as official advice. We know nothing about opening a bank, just for the record. So, <laughs> so what does this look like in five years from now? I mean, like, like you go back five years, this kind of wasn't really a thing. It seems to be coming, gaining, gaining some, some momentum. What do you see the future of, of, of payments for online commerce? What does that look like in like five years from now? Specific to open banking, like I think it's, much more common, much more accepted. And, and even last year alone, you saw announcements and companies that added this. Lyft, Airbnb, Uber, StubHub, they all added pay by bank in, in the US last year. So merchants of that size who have hundreds of people on their payments team who are constantly looking at you know payment innovation, e-commerce, like how to optimize all that type of thing. If, if these level of merchants are looking into it, then I think you're going to continue to see increased adoption. So, you know, my dream scenario in five years time, like pay by bank is an option on, on checkout in most major websites and, and below, like you have the opportunity to, to do that as a shopper. Adoption wise, again, it's going to vary on, on that merchant and, and that shopper. But ultimately, I think you're going to continue to see this more and more on checkout, like over the next one, two, five years. Yeah, I always refer to the Amazon effect on commerce. So when you know when when Amazon launches a free two-day shipping, you expect that every on every other store you go to. If they don't have free two-day shipping, what the heck? When Amazon launches uh hassle-free returns, well, you don't have so does Amazon have it yet? Like that that would I think tip the scales. They do have a way that you can pay with your bank account. It's very clunky and I don't think it's displayed to all shoppers in the US. It's like you need to manually input your account and routing number, and which oh, no geez. one knows. Okay. Yeah, cool. and you need to type your address in and, and that sort of thing. So I think they probably realize it's clunky and they're probably looking at other things. But technically, they do have it. It's it's not the best experience right now. But yeah, like I wonder if they're testing it or that sort of thing. But yeah, like we would love Amazon as the client if Amazon's listening. Yeah, <laughs> I know a few <laughs> people there. Maybe I maybe I can do an intro. But it's great that people like Lyft and Uber and those are picking it up because the more and more people that use it in other areas, they, they just become like, like you said, exactly. 70% the more, of people a, are using it. As a shopper, it. As you, when you see it, you're not then curious about it. Like, it's good to be curious, but to your point, it just becomes normal. It's like, oh, this is on 10 different websites that I shop at. It's, it's a normal thing now. Yeah. Similar to what and like it, Apple Pay, right? Like compared to five, 10 years ago. Like, for sure. You know, hey, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm old enough to remember when. The question was, is it safe to enter a credit card online? So like um, the first online store I opened was in 1998. 
And oh, well. I, I would at half the orders I took were by phone because people didn't feel safe entering a credit card online. So like, there's always going to be whenever and you're now it's completely head, flipped. Like people don't want to give a credit card over, over the phone anymore. A hundred percent is they feel very weird reading a credit card to someone over a phone because what are they are they writing it? To? Yeah, exactly. Well, to wrap this up, any advice you want to give to businesses thinking about implementing this or taking the next step in bank payments or open bank, use, leveraging open banking and, and anything you'd like to say to them as some kind of advice or thoughts? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a, depending on the size of the enterprise and, you know, for bigger merchants, it is a large project. Obviously adding any new payment method can can be large, but ultimately, you know, the, the what we've shown is is that the benefits are there around reduced costs, reduced churn, reduced fraud. So yeah, we, we also at Link understand that it's, a relatively new payment method. There's a lot of questions out there. We obviously are here to answer those questions. And specific to bold merchants, you know, we've got mm-hmm. the partnership with Bold. If there's, you know, that's a very quick and easy way to get it implemented as well. So it's something that can benefit merchants and their consumers. And yeah, certainly looking forward to continuing to grow it in the US. Amazing. And lastly, where do you want to send people who are interested in learning more? Can you give us your, I guess, website? But then also if they're interested, in following you on any social accounts, where can you send people? Yeah, so the website is link.money, so L-I-N-K dot money. My socials, LinkedIn, Sean Vanderkarp, hit me on LinkedIn or just Sean at link.money. Very, very easy to remember. Perfect. I'll make sure to add all that to the show notes as well. Sean, this has been this has been very insightful. I learned a lot. I don't say that at the end of every episode, so thank you for that. It was a great, great having you on. Thank you. Perfect. Really appreciate it, Jay. Thanks for the time. That's it for another episode of Own Your Commerce. If what you've heard has helped you in any way, I'd love it if you'd leave us a review in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. It's a new podcast and reviews really help spread the word. And if you know someone you think that might benefit from this podcast, share it with a friend. If you'd like to learn more about Bold, visit boldcommerce.com. You can view all our past episodes. And if you have a story you'd like to tell, we'd love to have you on the show. You can apply to be a guest or suggest a guest on our website as well. That's all for now. And we'll see you next week.